Hey, hey, everyone. Dave DeBow back at you with another exciting episode today, zooming in all the way from the GTA, Toronto. We've got Ki Trang Ho, and Ki and her husband are taking massive action with their real estate investing. They have built up a significant portfolio in record time. They started out like a lot of us with single family homes. Then they started moving into small multifamilies. Now they're looking at moving into bigger multis and uh, they've invested both in Canada and in the States. So this is going to be an exciting episode. Key, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thank you. So Key, how did you and your husband get into this whole wonky world of real estate? Well, the short story is that my husband um, and I got into real estate just because my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, happened to get into real estate and he only got into real estate because he lost his job at an auto parts company during the great recession. So he had to switch gears and uh, pursue a new endeavors. And then he ended up, I don't know how he got involved with selling these duplexes for this developer in South Los Angeles, but he did. And then he sold like four to one of my brother, one of my brothers. And then he sold four to um, one of my older sisters and then he <laughs> and his sister, my sister got into a bunch of them with a group of people. And then, so I said, Oh, they look, and everybody else is having fun. so much fun. I want it on the game. Yeah, exactly. It was monkey see monkey do. <laughs> when was that? What year was that in 2012? Ooh, that was a pretty good time. I think probably to pick those properties up. Was it? It was. It was very close to the bottom of the market in South Los Angeles. Nice, nice. All right. So that's at the time we're recording this right now, we're early in 2023. So that's a little, you know, that's 11 years ago that you got into your first deals. Did you just kind of keep going from there or did you kind of take a pause for a while? How did you, how did you, how did your progression look after that? So after our first property, we bought one the following year and then we, just said this is enough for us for now and then we ended up buying um, a condo and then moving into that because my husband just came home one day and said well I'm really tired of my commute and I really want to live in downtown LA because, so that you know, I could take public transportation which was a straight shot to um, to UCLA where he worked and so we tried to sell our house but then we um, said, oh, well, why don't we just do an Airbnb? And so we turned it into an Airbnb and lived in our condo. Ah, very nice. Okay. So you guys live in Toronto now, but are you from Los Angeles originally? Where are you guys from originally? Yes. My Mm -hmm. husband's originally from Oakland and then I'm originally from Orange County. So the hour South of Los Angeles. And you guys are now living in Toronto and you're investing in both Canada and the States. That's interesting. That's I know a lot of Canadians that have started investing in Canada and then moved over to the States. You're the first person that I that I know that's kind of doing both at the same time, going back and forth. So that's very, very cool. All right. And I guess just on a on an interesting side note, what do you find to be the major differences between investing in the States versus Canada? What have you guys seen? Okay. Well, the biggest thing is that in the U.S., we have 30-year mortgages, and you will get that 
one interest rate for 30 years if you want to keep it that long. Whereas here, I found that you could only get a one interest rate for five years maximum, and then they renew it, and um, yeah. you have to do something else. Yeah, that and, that sucks. <laughs> depending depending on on the timing, I guess. But yeah, that that could be unpleasant. So you get it. You can get much longer uh, mortgages in the states. I guess here's another just a dumb question, but if you get into one of those long mortgages in the states. Is it fairly straightforward to get out of it if there are better rates today, or is that going to be a very painful process? It is super easy. Okay. All you have to do is refinance and you just pay the fees and they um, appraise your house. And it's a very straightforward thing. I've refinanced my primary home at least three times. And then one of my investment properties what three times and another one at least once and you could take cash out and um and use that money to buy more properties exactly all right so that's one of the big differences is the length of of term of the of the mortgage the u.s versus canada anything else that kind of pops out at you as a big difference huge is pro how property taxes are um taxed like for example in California, they fix the property tax to your to how much you bought the property for, and they only appreciate your property two percent a year. And then so, and then your property tax is based off of one percent off of the price you bought it for. Uh. They don't reappraise it the way they do here. And so, for example, my parents pay nearly nothing in property taxes because they bought their house in 1983 for in Los Angeles, right? That's what we're talking in about. In Orange County. Orange County. Okay. Yeah. Yes. In Fountain Valley, a very quiet suburb, boring as hell, but <laughs> that they bought that house for $14,500. Yes. And so now their property, and so imagine they only pay 1% of that. But it's, it's gone up 2% a year, all those years. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so now their so. property tax is like still just less than $2,000 a year. Right. Whereas if you were to buy that house now, it would cost you maybe $900,000 and you would have to pay 1% of $900,000. So there's no way that my parents could ever move to a new place. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's the challenge. Very cool. Very, very interesting. All right. So you guys got off to a good start and then he kind of slowed down for a while. What, when did you really pick up the real estate investing again? When did you when did you start hitting it hard? Last year. And mm -hmm. the funny 2022. Thing is, yeah. Yes. Because I moved to Canada in mid-2021. And I was originally going to um I going to pursue being a financial advisor. And so I took the Canadian securities course and passed the test and everything like that. And then I sent out, I applied for a handful of jobs at different banks and I didn't even get calls for interviews and so I said oh I better do something different how about real estate and then so I just took the real estate investing network um course yeah. at rain and yeah. then I just immediately after that bought one property in Austin and then I bought like an average of one a month thereafter <laughs> and what kind of properties were you buying the one in Austin is a single family home, yeah. but it has a very, it's a co-living home and each 
bedroom is rented by um, individually to um, somebody and it includes all and then they have to pay utilities on top of that and um and so is this really, guy, is it would this be like a group home or is, is that what a co-living a, home is it's like yeah. a, yes it's very much like a group home and it's um it that's a huge new trend in the united states because one bedroom and studios cost so much more now relative to people's incomes than they did right. 20 30 years ago so almost you know somebody coming out of college practically has to live in a situation like that with roommates right. or find roommates or rent a individual room in order Interesting. to be especially a place like Austin Austin is such a popular city it's just busting at the seams i imagine there's such huge demand for those kind of rooms especially in a place like Austin yes and it gives people a lot of flexibility too because on average they stay maybe um 10 months and they're they could rent it by the month so if they're new mm-hmm. to town they could just stay there a while and get, get established. established yeah yes but then in some cities like los angeles it's getting so expensive that it's practically um the norm for a lot of people now wow. and it's so expensive in los angeles like get this there are some co-living homes where they put two bunk beds in a room and they rent out each bunk for about 650 a month Wow. That's getting to be like Hong Kong. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like those kind of situations where people are crammed in. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it is getting crazy. That's for sure. Key. So, okay. So you, you've got that kind of uh, co-living space in Austin. What are the the other parts? You don't have to go through each one, but in general, are you doing more of those kind of deals or, or what are your typical, what does your portfolio kind of look like? What kind of properties do you have in there? Okay. So the, my all my other properties in um, Canada are in Alberta and Saskatchewan, and they're all houses with basement suites. And then one of them is a side-by-side duplex with basement suites, so it's a fourplex. Yeah. And so I have five buildings like that in total, and I maxed out at five because that's the um, only amount of mortgages that personally yeah and i was only able to get financing from cibc because of my status as a non-permanent resident and because a lot of banks wouldn't even lend to me because i'm not a permanent resident unless i was living it in in it as my primary resident residence yeah and another hiccup with that is that oh and then i could get a mortgage, but I would have to pay a higher interest rate just because of my status. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. What about the properties in the States? What, uh, what kind of, because you've got a portfolio in Canada, you got a portfolio in the States. What is your, your, what are your properties in the States look like at this point is you've got the, um, the, the shared home space there in Austin. What else do you have at the moment? So I have one condo, two duplexes and a single family house. Right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. And now you were telling me at the, at the top of the interview, now you're, you're looking at getting into the multifamily space. What does that mean to you, Key? What, what does multifamily look like for you? Well, that's, I'm buying, um, the last property I bought was an eightplex and it was basically four side-by-side townhomes with a first floor unit. That's one bedroom, one bath mm-hmm. and, a, um, main floor unit that's on the second and third level 
that's three bedrooms and two and a half baths. Ooh, very nice. So yeah, so they're all duplexes basically. Yes. Nice, nice. Where's that one located? Edmonton in well, Chapel Greens. Yeah. Oh, very nice. So are they more of those kind of properties that you want to be doing? Exactly, because I can qualify for CMHC financing and I am using the MLI Select program. So you get a special interest rate and you can also amortize out to as long as 50 years. Wow. And they give you a fixed rate for five years. And in order to qualify for that, you just have to um, qualify. You just have to choose, get, you basically get points for what kind of social good you want to provide. Do you want to provide mm. affordable housing or um, green outfit your building with green energy or make mm. it accessible to disabled people? Very cool. So that's what you're doing with this, this eight unit building in Edmonton and which, which of those are you kind of focusing on to qualify for this program? So I did the affordable housing because in Edmonton, it makes sense because in order to qualify for affordable, you have to um, provide the maximum rent could be is 30% of the area median income and rent in Edmonton is still so low that it's still below that threshold. Ah, so not, you don't actually have to go down to the rents to, to meet their threshold. You just have to, you can't go above that for how long? Is there a specific amount of time? 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. That, that sounds familiar. Very, very cool. So that's how you're, yeah, very smart, right? Because you're looking at your circumstances. Now, here's a question I got for you, Keith. A lot of Canadians are really keen to invest, to get the heck out of Canada and invest in the States. You're an American living in Canada, investing in Canada. Um, are you planning, to, and you can do both. That's the beautiful thing. Are you planning to continue buying properties in Canada or are you going to switch your, your focus more to the States? That's uh, something I grapple with all the time because I'm selling one of my duplexes. And then in the United States, this is an interesting thing that you don't have here is that we call, we have what's called a 1031 exchange yeah, in beautiful. which you could trade a property and sell a property and then buy another one and not have to pay the capital gains taxes on it. But the problem with that is like right now in the United States, the interest rates are so much higher. And because I don't live there anymore, I would have to pay a higher interest rate. Uh, and because and I would only qualify for um, debt service ratio coverage, debt service coverage ratio loans there. So I think I really want to just stay in focus on Canada because I could qualify for the CMHC MLI Select program. Very cool. All right. That's interesting. Now, what about down in the States? Are you able to do the, the, the exchange and move up into a, cause you're going from a residential property. Can you exchange up into a commercial property and thereby, you know, your personal qualifying for, for mortgages doesn't come to play so much. Yes. You can buy pretty much any type of real estate. You could also buy what's called Delaware statutory trust, which is basically um, buying shares of a company that is invested that, owns um, a piece of property and you're basically a passive owner. You're basically just putting money into the deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are ways around that, but at the moment 
you found a good program here in Canada that works well for you, you want to kind of rinse and repeat that for the exactly. next year. So, so let's, that brings us to me to my next question. What are your plans for the next year or so key? Where, where do you see yourself uh, with your investment portfolio in the next 12 months? Well, the pickings are really slim for existing um, properties. So I am purchasing, I have my, I put um, a down payment on a 16 plex, which is two eight plexes across the street from each other in a new development in Spruce mm -hmm. Grove. Very nice. So you're doing build to rent. Yes. That's very, very cool. Okay. So is that, that's the main focus for the next year is get that one developed is is it going to be ready in the next year i hope so you never really <laughs> say know. there's always delays <laughs> hopefully but so anything else are you, are you going to be looking at any other opportunities or is that going to be your main focus well there's there are other developments that i'm interested in if uh if i could find them but there's um in another um, neighborhood oh yeah in beaumont i could buy four houses in a row and that qualifies for MLI Select. There's like, if you buy them all together and they all have basement suites. So you can, even though they're separate homes, they mm -hmm. count as uh, an eightplex together. Nice. Yeah, they're, they're really working on, on helping out with the affordable housing thing, right? They're really trying to make that as appealing as possible. Well, very cool that you found that program and you've dialed it right in. Um, when it comes to how you guys are financing your properties, You've been self-financing up until now. You're you you and your husband, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And are you planning on continuing to do that, or at any point are you going to be bringing on joint venture partners or investors? No. You know what? After I saw what happened to my sister and her um, her husband, um, they they had a huge falling out with their partners, and I. They were sued up the yin yang, wow. and they, it was a huge ordeal. And they even asked me to come into um, to interview me about my real estate dealings with my brother in law. And mm. it was so traumatic for me just to even watch that. That mm. I don't ever want to be get involved near a situation with... like that at all. So that was just horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. What what do you think happened there that caused so much uh what was it because maybe they didn't they didn't have tight enough joint venture agreements or investor agreements in the first place or what do you think really caused all of that problem or no idea really? I have no idea. Mm. I I don't know what to say because maybe they didn't have tight agreements and it's a real shame because the um, the guy that my um, brother-in-law was in the deal with was his best man at his wedding they were oh. best friends yeah and they're no longer friends anymore i i don't i don't know what happened there but i have seen that kind of thing happen a few mm -hmm. times key and it's mm -hmm. usually because exactly because of that it's because hey you're my best friend from forever. You were the best man at my wedding. You'd never, we're, we're always going to be buddies. They go in on a spit and a handshake more or less, right? It's very loosey goosey. And then something happens, right? And then, then everything goes to crap and then it, yeah. So that's, that's a common, what, what you're thinking is very, very common. And, and 
And you can't blame me, especially if you're that close to a situation like that. And you've seen the worst case scenario unfold right in front of your eyes. So what I've seen people do very, very effectively, because at the end of the day, he, a lot of people aren't in the position where like you and your husband, you got pretty deep pockets. Your, I believe your husband's a doctor. He's making, making the big bucks, but other folks aren't in that position. So for them to scale or go anywhere near where you guys are going, they need to bring on private lenders. They need to bring on joint venture partners. So what I've seen people do very effectively when they're dealing with close friends and relatives is they step back and they say, okay, let's treat this as if I'm working with a complete stranger. Let's treat it as if, air quotes here, everybody who's <laughs> listening to this, as if I'm working with an accredited investor. So what does that look like? If I were working with an accredited investor, they would insist on having the proper paperwork. They would insist on having the proper contracts or, or corporate structure set up or joint venture agreement or whatever that looks like. They would insist on that. You would have to have it. They would also insist on having independent legal advice. That means their lawyer would go through that whole agreement with a fine tooth comb and, and all, have all that kind of stuff set up. The If you were working with an, a credit investor, that person would insist on having regular meetings and, and accountings and all of that kind of stuff, which you know, otherwise it's pretty easy to get loosey goosey there. So if you're meeting with somebody every quarter or every six months, going over things, explaining things, being in open communications when things are going well and when things might not be going so well, it's about having that open communication and that physical reporting as well. So that's what people have done to avoid those kind of situations is, hey, I don't care if I'm investing with my mom, my best buddy, my best man, whoever, we're going to do this professionally. And then they have the the spit in the handshake is, okay, hey, buddy, we're going to be meeting on this on a regular basis, talking business. If you have any questions or anything in the meantime, you can always call me or text me or whatever. But let's make a deal. When we're having family get-togethers, when it's Christmas time, when it's Thanksgiving, when it's whatever, let's keep business out of it. Let's Let's just have fun together as friends. Does that make sense? So that's where they do the spit in the handshake deal. Yeah, it works so much better that way. Does that make sense? A, yes, absolutely. Just as a policy, my husband doesn't like to do any business with any friends or family. So he won't even buy a used TV from them if they're moving or anything. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. We just don't want to go near there. No, fair enough. And 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 again, it's it's all a matter of what level you have, because if you do start working with other people's money, then you also have to be aware of the Securities and Exchange Commission in the States the Ontario Securities Commission in Canada, the Alberta Securities Commission in Canada, all of these different entities that basically say, well, you're familiar with this because you, you took the whole financial planning course, right? That, that you, uh, you, you can only really work in that, in that case with close friends, relatives, or business associates kind of thing. So otherwise it gets into the whole securities realm, which we want to avoid. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Anyhow, Key, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and what you've been up to with real estate and how you're growing it and how you're tapping into this, this program to get into more multifamilies. Hats off to you for getting into this purpose-built 16-unit uh, development that you're, you're part of. 
if folks want to find out more about you or connect with you, are you open to that? Uh, do you have a way that people Absolutely. can reach out? Yeah. What can they do? Um, email me. My email is ky at kytrangho.com. So Beautiful. Key, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.